0: All right. As long as uh, move this this thing up in front of you, feel free to there squeeze in if you would like or get comfy, you know, okay. whatever, whatever works for you. And <sighs> as long as Do you, you can hear yourself.
1: Camera or... Oh, me. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. That's just there. Okay. Yeah. I don't, you know. To be completely honest, the majority of the streams that I get are on the audio. Okay. Um, the video does go on Facebook and YouTube, but it's just kind of like a, an extra supplement for anybody that, that wants it. Want I, it. I have this shit laying around, so I'm like, I might as well use it. Fair. And I have this nice space, so it's like, let people see it.
1: Yeah, it's you got that nice like exposed brick wall.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, it's there. real too. People keep asking me if it is fake or real brick. It is real brick. I'm in Penn Brewery. There's not a fake brick in this fucking building.
1: Probably not. Do they by <laughs> that? Do they mean like, is it a structural part? Like, is it structurally integral?
0: I think they mean you ever go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's and they sell like the faux brick panels. No, that you could get. Is that a thing? Now? Oh yeah, that's a thing. Okay, faux brick exists. Oh, okay, it's an, it's another it's byproduct of the millennial generation, I suppose. Oh, that's distressing to me. <laughs>
1: okay, well, real brick, we've confirmed it.
0: Yes, real brick, cool. Microphone seems to be working you can hear me yep you can hear yourself yep no reverb cool let's friggin do it let's do it hello and welcome to start the beat with sykes my name is sykes and this is my podcast before we get started i just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode if you're one of the people who listened to that conversation i hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back but For those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda or Sprite or water or whatever in the fridge, whatever you like. No discrimination against your beverage. Maybe some wine in the fridge today as well, given my guest. Hi, how's it going? (laughs) For everybody that has no idea who is sitting to my left here. This is my new acquaintance, hopefully by the end of this conversation, friend, Celine Roberts. Make some noise for the Internet. (laughs) Everyone's really happy that you're here. I'm psyched to be here. So, for those of you that do not know Celine, I don't know her either. But apparently she is a service industry veteran, worked in a lot of places. You write for the Pittsburgh magazine. What do you write for Pittsburgh Magazine? Food stuff. Yeah, write about food. Write about food. So you work in food and restaurants and you write about food and you have this whole life about food and entertainment, I suppose. Dinner is my life. Dinner is your life. (laughs) And I mean, we all eat, we're all human. And I am someone who is super tied into the local like arts and entertainment scene with like music and film, art, comedy, all that stuff. And a big part of that is always food because either we're playing at a place where there's food or I'm going out to eat or this and that. And I'm really fascinated by the local Pittsburgh food scene because over the past decade, it's definitely gone off the rails. And in the five, past five years, it seems to have gone even more. And it's just getting crazy with all of... The breweries and restaurants, all of these things, it's a lot to handle. So I'm really excited to talk with you because you probably have your finger on the pulse of a lot of things going on in the Pittsburgh scene and around the area. Am I right? Am I wrong?
1: You're right. Cool. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some things that I've probably missed. And if I have, please let me know.
0: Well, yeah, there's always things that we miss. And I think that's why it's always fun to meet new people and talk with them about what they're into what is coming across their palettes, mm-hmm. if you will. So with you and as the individual, Celine Roberts, what do you do right now? Not necessarily where have you been, but right now what are all the hats that you are wearing?
1: So right now I am a freelance writer for Pittsburgh Magazine focusing on food and food culture. Um, so I'm not a critic. Ah, okay. I mostly mostly focus on the who, what, where, when of what's going on in the food scene. Um, not so much the is it good, is it bad kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, criticism has a has a big place. Um, I'm just not in that place. So yeah. I do something a little bit different. Um, and then I also work front of house at Bar Marco in the Strip District. You could basically throw a rock from your studio and hit it. Uh-huh. Uh, and we are, for anyone who doesn't know, a cocktail and all-natural wine bar and restaurant that focuses on Italian food and interpretations of that. Mostly Piedmontese cuisine with a little bit of Northern Italian and Southern Italian thrown in. So that's where I'm at. And I'm also currently studying for my first uh, introductory level of the master uh, Court of Master Sommeliers exam. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I got
0: a lot going on. That's pretty intimidating.
1: Yeah, it sounds... I'm hoping it sounds more intimidating than it actually is. But it is. Yeah, it is intimidating.
0: Yeah. So with all of that, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to dig into. So let's just start, I guess, with Pittsburgh Magazine. Because that seems to be where we probably intersect the most. Because Mm -hmm. with this show, um, I'm not really much of an interview. I'm more of a who, what, when, where, why type of person, just with people that are doing interesting things. And it seems like that's kind of maybe the path that you're on, but with people that are in the food industry. Yeah. So with the food industry in Pittsburgh, what is the thing that you find to be the most exciting right now that's happening?
1: Most exciting. Um, there are a couple of ways you could approach that question. I'm always most excited about people who are really excited about what they're doing. Um, so people like uh Kate Lasky, who is at Apteca, owns Apteca, I love partner, that place. Tomas. Um, I'm every time I walk into that restaurant I and order one of their dishes, I feel like they aren't necessarily trying to put out something that everyone will love, but they're focusing on what they're really passionate about mm-hmm. and um, hoping that everyone will enjoy it just as much as they do. And so there's a there's a sort of genuineness about what they're doing. Um, right down the street, uh, Chef Brian at Soju kind of doing the same thing, taking a lot of his uh, Korean background and turning that into – like a fun, approachable atmosphere for anyone who can drop by and just like have a bite or a snack. Um, those are the things that I'm excited about. People who are delving into a piece of themselves and kind of putting it out there for everybody else to enjoy.
0: Yeah. That's what I tend to gravitate a lot towards too when it comes to music or art is this people that are unapologetically themselves. And I do see that when I go to a place like Apteco where this food... And the menu and the style, it's just unapologetically, this is us. And it may not be trendy. It may not be the most popular thing, but what we do is really fucking good. And every time I go in that place, it's packed mm-hmm. because, you know, they have their own unique voice. And like, maybe it was a risk at first to do something like that. But if you do something good, it'll resonate with people. And that's how I feel a lot about art. I think there's a really big correlation between art. And music, like if you're a chef, crafting a menu. And even the way that you have to market things nowadays, it's all the same. We're all using the same platforms. We're all trying to do the same tricks to get people in our door, I mm-hmm. suppose. With being a freelance writer for you know a publication, how do you like, find just getting articles out into the, the ether? Do you find that something that's like, Easy for you to do getting people to like interact with the content that you're putting out there. Do you think there's still a lot of people that are trying to read things, or is it just about like, oh, well, somebody on Instagram said it was good, so I'll check it out?
1: Um, no, I mean, I I think we are the Instagram generation, right? So I I think the power of um, that social media is really powerful, and especially if it's interactive. Like you know, everybody loves a boomerang, <laughs> um, but I. I do think that there is also a market for a more formal setting, right? So you have your influencers who are important and offer one thing, and then you have your publications with writers who people have been reading for years and trust, and there's a place for that. Um, As far as getting what out there, what I'm putting, I have this really wonderful platform. My editors are very supportive, um, really willing and open to listen to ideas, and they already have readership. So as a freelancer, I'm able to, you know, write for their readership and have something out there that looks beautiful, uh, that has an online platform that I can just sort of easily tap
0: into. With writing, I'm curious what came first. Was it your working in the service industry or writing?
1: Um, Or were
0: they kind of a little bit of both? A
1: little bit of chicken or the egg. Yeah. Um, I was a fiction writer as a kid. I mean, nothing mostly like my journal, you know, or like small readings. (laughs) I ran, I helped run the New Yenzer and uh, a reading series in college. And then uh, I started working in restaurants because I was broke and started bartending. And um, as a result of that, just started reading a lot about that world, you know, Uh, a lot of like Anthony Bourdain and confidential stuff and uh, became totally fascinated with the way that people were writing about something that is just a part of most people's everyday life. I don't think at the time when I, I, this would have been back in like 2009, the food scene wasn't something that a lot of, there weren't like a million shows about it on Food Network. There weren't a ton of books about the inside life of a service industry worker. It was just kind of something that was there. Um, and so I decided that I, like, grew a, like, a secret dream that I would write about it. And then I got an opportunity to become an editorial assistant at the Pittsburgh City Paper. Um, so I did. And I got a chance from my editor at the time there, uh, Charlie Deech, to write about something that I was interested in. So I uh, started writing their cocktail column. They had an opening, and that's how it all Started. It's five years later now,
0: and at the time you were obviously you were working in restaurants at the time. Yes. So it's just a matter of like you're in this environment, you're meeting people that are super passionate, and you have this other thing where it's like I'm writing, and it's like fuck, I want to tell these people stories and yeah, get it out there.
1: Write what you know. Yeah, and that was what I knew, and still what I'm now like deeply invested in in so many ways. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'd done a little bit of farming with the. Uh, uh worldwide workers on organic farms. So, um, woof, that's the program. And I loved that. That was like the best summer of my life. So I'd kind of had like from from seed to like washing dishes, I'd kind of seen all of the aspects of what it takes to get your food to a restaurant table. Um, and so I was just really interested in in writing about that process.
0: That's, an, that's a whole other thing that I've never even... Thought about too deeply. I mean, obviously, I know farms are a thing. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, they're a thing. But I never, I never, I never even considered that. That yeah, that's a whole nother world. Just the yeah, the beginnings of everything, where everything's grown or raised, and just getting it from point A to point B to okay. point C to stomach.
1: It's a ton of work. There's so much hidden labor that happens before that, like plate gets to you. Um, And a lot of it in Pittsburgh, luckily, is now coming from, you know, within a 50-mile radius. There are tons of, like, little farms that are uh, being used in restaurants in the area.
0: There's so many restaurants in the area to use this stuff now. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned at the, the top of the podcast, I don't know if it was either just that there wasn't a huge food scene in Pittsburgh or maybe I just wasn't aware of it. Maybe ten years ago, maybe my like, awareness has made it made me aware of things that were already there, mm-hmm. or maybe they just weren't there. Maybe my awareness grew as it grew in the city. I'm not I'm not too sure.
1: I mean, the last ten years has been, I would say, like the significant boom, like most recent boom of like new cocktail bars, new restaurants, new ways of doing things. When I moved to Pittsburgh in 2007. I wasn't legal to drink yet, but even <laughs> but two years later, when I was, Brillo Box was like the spot. Yeah, for cocktails, and Brillo Box still runs a great business, and yeah. I still drink there.
0: I love Brillo Box. Shout outs to Lou.
1: Yeah, definitely. Good, good but now you know you can have a drink at Brillo Box and walk, you know, five blocks and be at another really great bar. Yeah, and that just wasn't something you or could you can go over
0: to like that was at Tina's that's the yeah. new that's the new cool spot mm-hmm. that's like right there that's you know you can cartwheel from Brillo Box <laughs> to Tina's
1: basically crawl <laughs> um yeah and that just wasn't an option you know when you went out you went to a spot and stayed because it's not like you had a ton of a ton of breath there was no like progressive dinner no progressive drinking
0: uh-huh so with you then outside of being a writer and mm-hmm. a journalist you're also obviously working still in the service industry.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What is your like shit when it comes to being in the service industry? What is your favorite part of being in it still Ooh um
1: there are so many things that I love about it, and i I think anyone in the service industry would tell you that they have sort of a love hate relationship with yeah, a lot of aspects of it. What I was
0: thinking was it's like people that I know that work in the service industry are either like. So unpassionate about it that it's miserable to even be around them, mm-hmm. or they love it so much that it makes me think like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> it's yeah. like one or the other.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely in my blood now. Um, right now, my shit is natural wine. Um, since coming to Bar Marco just over a year ago, I, I decided that I wanted to work there to learn more about wine because I felt like it was this really big gap. In my knowledge about food, I'd yeah. been writing about cocktails for four years. I don't know
0: shit about wine.
1: I'd been a line, a, like a line cook at a vegan place. I'd worked on farms. I was like, okay, like I feel pretty well rounded. Now there's this huge gap in this really important, like, Thousands of year old tradition of hospitality that I just really don't know anything about, other than like, can yeah. I have a dry white please? Uh-huh. Which is just not—it's embarrassing. Sure, um, for me as someone who's like invested the last ten years in it, it's embarrassing. There's nothing wrong with ordering
0: that way. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I'm not no, invested. I totally in, Not invested in from. snobbery. I want to make that clear. Yeah, because I'm like such a. An unintentional snob when it comes to coffee and beer mm-hmm. and so many things, but wine, I'm so ignorant. And it's like, I feel like I may as well just like take the steps so I can know. It's like you the missing co- the missing piece of the puzzle. Count to Bar Marco.
1: So okay. now I'm like in this, <laughs> I'm in a spot that I've been in for the last year of uh, total wine nerdery. And the program that we run there really facilitates that. Um, we're a very small staff. I'm pretty much there. I would say like ninety percent of the nights were open. I'm there, um, so we're all pretty deeply involved in what gets ordered, what we're tasting. Yeah, um, everybody's really collaborative about sharing their knowledge, which is not always the case. And uh, and now that I've been studying for this test, it's just sort of like a, a deeper dive into learning more about wine.
0: Yeah, what do you all have to study to do? Was it sommelier?
1: How does that work? So it depends on what level you're taking. So there's introductory, uh, certified, advanced, master. And the four levels of that are like every step gets significantly harder by like a factor of four. Sure. So it's not like you just like jump from one step to another. Often it will take people like several tries and maybe several years to get from... Certified to advanced or from advanced to master. Um, the initial test is mostly about breadth. So, like, what are the world's most prominent wine regions? What are the varietals or like types of grapes from okay. each region that are considered to be important?
0: So, like the Wikipedia knowledge.
1: It's the yeah breadth, not depth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, just kind of setting you up. Like, what are the basics of service? How should you like pour something? Mm. Um, So that test, I believe, has like a 60% pass rate. It's it's definitely like the easiest of the levels. Yeah. Um, Might be higher than that. Don't don't quote me on those numbers. But it's quite high. Okay. Um, And then after that, you start getting into things like detailed wine service and blind tasting.
0: Yeah, I feel like it it goes from a point where it escalates past just like muscle memory and knowledge te- like you need a genuine passion it has mm-hmm. to be like in your blood right. to like really get that that level just like an almost an understanding that like a a musician has with like you can like learn a song but can you really play it like naturally play it with the right feel and nuance that's of understanding a, yep, it
1: That's That's a really good analogy when you use that you, So You've asked me your initial question was like, what's your shit? Yeah. About the service industry. And I talking about wine, I feel like it's brought me back around to actually being able to answer that question. Cool. And the answer to that is that I love the beauty of hospitality and the like the human tradition. And by that, by hospitality, I don't mean whatever you want the customer is always right like oh yes maliage like what can sure. i get you you know um but i mean more of the sense of for thousands of years we've been inviting people into our homes and asking them if they'd like a beverage essentially or if they'd like a snack as a way of saying like hey like hang out with me for a while let's exchange ideas or or let's just sit and be yeah. together and coffee, right? That's sort of like the morning tradition of that or the mid-afternoon tradition. And wine is like the nightcap of that or like starting in the afternoon. And there are so many of these like beautiful connections that you can draw between when you're, when you're doing that kind of work, between what you're doing and what people did thousands of years ago.
0: Yeah. There's something that is undeniably human about that, going to a place built by other people to enjoy food that they spent years crafting and coming up with these recipes and skills and you know people that are bartenders crafting cocktails and things like that it's it's like a you're giving into the community like monetarily socially it's really cool to be a part of that and it's Mm -hmm. almost the same way that i feel i'm gonna bring up music a lot just because i compare those worlds so much like going and seeing people play it's like you're a part of this thing that means so much to them
2: mm-hmm.
0: to like see that and experience it in a live situation and maybe simultaneously have a a cocktail or something. It's just a cool like, oh wow, like we are humans living together on this planet. Let's enjoy each other's company and skills and talents and to the fullest advantage versus just uh you know either staying in or taking part in something that isn't so personal because there's definitely a lot of culinary experiences that one may go and enjoy that isn't necessarily the most personal of an experience. Right. And I think that that's where, uh, if you get into a conversation about like money and, Oh, maybe it, it costs money to more money to go to, you know, bar Marco than it would to go to, uh, I don't know, uh, Burger Joe's yeah. Joe's Bob Burger Shack, yeah, uh-huh. whatever you know. It's like okay, yeah, sure, but you're paying for two totally different experiences, and a lot of people, for better or worse, don't value or understand the experience of going to a place like Bar Marco and what it means to the people that go there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that being said, also like there is so much value in everybody's labor. I really am like a believer in that, you know, you are getting a different experience at Bar Marco and that is attached to money in some way. But like people who are working in any type of service situation, they deserve respect for their
0: labor. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't. I'm speaking more of a a consumer. Right. I think the reasons why people go to different sorts of places, because I'm always fascinated when I meet people who have that mentality that you do like i work in the service industry and i love it because i love connecting with other people and learning and knowledge and you know even just moving to bar marco because like i want to know about wine and this place does wine so i can work i could support myself and i can expand my knowledge to develop as a human being there's a lot of cool opportunity for that and a Mm -hmm. lot of people aren't always thinking about that when it comes to work it's just like well i need money and i totally get it
2: yeah so, we all do.
0: Yeah. But I think that the underlining thing that I think I'm trying to bring up here is that if you are passionate about something, I think there is a way to find that in the workforce. And whether it's food or journalism or being a nurse or whatever, mm-hmm. if you are passionate about something, you can find that in the workforce and make it a career. Absolutely. On any level. Even if you like being, like, if you're somebody that's super into customer service, I mean, you could still work at, like, a Burger King or something like oh, that. Yeah. And be be a manager there and fucking kill it and probably make a pretty good living, honestly. Well, definitely make that Burger King
1: a killing. That's Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, I think, uh, I'm going to sound like such a Luddite right now. But I think especially in a world where uh, things move so fast and there are so many relatively new things right like the importance of um the his like the more historical traditions that we share like music going to a concert or just listening to people play or sharing a meal together or like looking at art becomes more important yes yeah. because it it draws you back as opposed to and that's just as important as as bringing forward you know like having that balance. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's really easy to become disconnected in the the era that we live in with our cell phones and the social medias and grub hubs, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we can, you can get food from like one of the best restaurants in Pittsburgh and just have somebody deliver it to you and never leave the fucking house, right. which don't get me wrong, that's tight every once in a while.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, I
0: mean, <laughs> no, I,
1: I love some grub hub every <laughs> yeah, once in a while. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't have a problem with that, but I think that the idea is to just don't completely abandon the tradition of like going out and experiencing what's going on in your community in the city. Mm -hmm. When you go to a restaurant, you know uh, I like asking questions to the server and things like that. Not because I'm trying to be annoying, but I'm just genuinely curious. And I like whenever the person that at the place is as excited as I am to tell me about what's going on. So I can like leave there like with a little bit more knowledge in my head but that's just the way my brain works. I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to learn and absorb things and engage with it on like a level that's deeper than, Oh, I come here. I give you money. You give me thing. I leave. Like I like getting to know people that work at the places I go to, especially if it's places that I go to frequently just because I like developing those relationships with people. I like, I enjoy being human and, using my humanness to human with other humans. Yeah, totally. You know what I'm saying?
1: It's fun to have, I mean, and that's the reason why it's like fun to have regulars, right?
0: Uh-huh.
2: It's
1: because you get to know a little bit about that person's life or what they like. And when you remember those things, it's it doesn't go unnoticed. It feels good for you too, like yeah. as the person who's providing the service.
0: As a customer, a consumer, do you have a a place or a specific time in mind that you can remember when you realized that you were a regular somewhere? A regular. Um, (laughs) Like being on the other end of that.
1: Yeah. So there is a Thai restaurant in my neighborhood. So I live in Wilkinsburg, um, but I consider that whole area my neighborhood. If it's walkable, it's my neighborhood. Fair enough. Um, There's a Thai restaurant. It's lovely. Everybody should go. It's called Thai Cottage and there is a woman who works there whose name is bell and she is just the uh personification of like light and glee she's <laughs> just i just love her mm-hmm. and she's so welcoming and um i had been a waitress at nikki's thai kitchen years ago and she would come in on dates there a lot oh. so i would always take care of her and we we kind of got to know each other that way yeah. and then when i moved to Wilkinsburg and started going to this Thai restaurant. She was working there. So we had this like That's cute little back and forth going on. Yeah. And um, I went in. I went in a lot. I was a regular there. And uh, one time when she came back from Thailand, they close every year for like two weeks. So all of the workers can go take vacation and most of them are Thai and go back to Thailand during that time to visit family. And I came back in for the first time after they were all back and she. Brought me this like little wooden elephant sculpture. This like really beautiful Aww. little sculpture. And she was like, Oh, I thought of you when I was away.
0: Wow. That is so adorable. It was so nice.
1: <laughs> and you know, she always knew my order, but I was like, wow, I must be here a lot. Uh-huh. I must be here a lot. <laughs> yeah. For her to be like, Oh, I thought of this this guest that I have often. Uh-huh. And it was really sweet. It's on my mantle right now.
0: That's super awesome.
1: Um, yeah, I love that place. Yeah,
0: that's so nice because obviously, you know, it's like just those simple gestures. It just makes you feel undeniably human.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you can't take that away. It's just like, oh, life is nice.
1: Yeah, people, this is nice. People are generally pretty okay. <laughs> it's good to have that reminder.
0: Yeah, because yeah. especially with our uh, internet things that like to put all of the bad Mm-hmm. in our face to make us upset so we stay on them longer and angry, Yeah, angry, angry, angry.
1: I am like a very sentimental person. Um, and I try to bring that to my writing as much as I can. About, I, I guess I'm interested in writing about the sentimentality of the restaurant industry, whether that's a good sentiment or a bad sentiment sure. remains to be seen. But just like the feelings that are
0: provoked mm-hmm. by it. Is there anything with what's going on in Pittsburgh right now? And we don't have to name anything specifically, but is there anything that rubs you the wrong way? Whether it's like maybe like particular restaurant groups that take over certain areas of town or just certain trends that rub you the wrong way. Anything that rubs me the wrong way. Um, or are you just generally positive about everything that's going on?
1: I feel pretty good about the way things are going. I feel like that's a cop out answer. Um let me think about that. For like a it
0: minute. could even be something as simple as like I'm sick of seeing all the Edison-like bulbs. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, like like trends uh, or
1: Yeah, I
0: not that you have to say anything bad. There just could just genuinely not be anything bad.
1: I feel like I talk about things that irk me all the time and now you're putting me on the spot. I apologize. I like, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I, uh, okay. Here's something really small that I like hate. Okay. I hate having a dirty table. Oh, yeah. And different restaurants, and let me explain what I mean by that. So if I'm out, At a place in some sort of writing capacity. If I'm the guest, let's say. Because I live my life on both sides, right? Exactly. Um, Which makes me, I think, a more forgiving diner in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But if I... (laughs) Empathetic. If I'm dining with you. Yes. And uh, I'm doing a lot of... You're doing a lot of talking. You're telling me a story. And I'm, like, eating and listening to you. And I've finished a lot longer before you. And my plate is just on the table with my cutlery. Like, I want it to be gone now. Yeah. Even if you're still eating, like, I don't like having, like, extra glassware or extra plates on the table. It really bothers me. And some restaurants have a policy where, and it's seen as, like, a polite thing that, like, oh, you you leave plates until everyone is finished. Because you oh. don't want to feel like somebody else is rushed. Okay. So this is a really nitpicky thing. Sure. I just hate that. I don't know Why? Um, I'd much rather have a, like, clear-as-I-go kind of scenario. Uh-huh. So that's something that annoys me. I also hate it when food is served under temperature. Yeah, Like, I like things to be... If it's supposed to be hot, I want it to, like, maybe have to cool down just a little bit. Because then it, I know it hasn't just been sitting on the line.
0: Yeah, I could see that.
1: So those are the things that really bother me.
0: I agree with that. I have... I think I nitpick a lot of stuff too. Most of the time if I I don't like going to restaurants that are busy in general mm. just because I feel like you're not getting a fair representation of the food when the place is slammed cuz the cooks are
1: everybody's stressed.
0: Everybody's stressed. Yeah. And it's just it doesn't make for a pleasant experience for anyone. Yeah.
1: Ooh, here's something you could relate to that also bothers me and everyone else on earth. When it's super loud? Yeah. Please. I know it's expensive. I know it's expensive, but please bring in like a sound person
0: to just stand
1: in your restaurant and put some tasteful foam up. That's all you really have to do. Just pay someone a one-time fee to be like, hey, this is how you could marginally dampen the sound. Yeah. Because then nobody can talk. Everybody's screaming. Everybody's unhappy.
0: that gets into an interesting conversation where I think there's a lot of things like that that people just overlook, and until somebody tells them, they may not even know that that is a thing that they could do. That's true. Do You get a lot of. It seems like most of the time, there's a lot of places that you go to, and there's always something that's missing because either you know this person is like a really good chef, mm-hmm. and I have a really good idea for a restaurant, so. Whatever, it's not going to look that great in here, but the food's going to be awesome. Or you get somebody that's like an architect and it's like, I want to make a restaurant. So they have this place that looks gorgeous and then they hire a chef and it's like, well, this doesn't look, this, like it matches all weird. Or sometimes mm-hmm. all the stars align and it's perfect.
1: Everybody has their blind but spots. Yeah,
0: so I think that that's definitely something worth maybe telling people. Like, hey, it's a little loud in here. Why don't you spend $1,000 on some foam and put it on the ceiling? Like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, Just trust me. Just trust me.
1: Everybody's going to be happy. Your staff will be happier. Your diners will be happier. Uh Uh-huh.
0: With live entertainment and restaurants, this is something where our worlds kind of intersect a Mm -hmm. little bit. That's something that I always find. It's really funny whenever there's – I have friends. So with the type of music that I play, I don't really get asked to play restaurants a whole lot. Okay. Okay. It's fine. I totally Uh get it. It's just – it's not you know, ambiance music. No, no, no. We're dealing with like a very much like a ranch dressing on ice cream sort of situation here. You don't <laughs> want to mix it; it's not going to work. Okay. But I have friends that play all different kinds of music, and I like. It bothers me when I go to a nice place to watch my friends play music, and they have like a really bad setup for the sound. It's like a gorgeous place, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Two thousand dollar light fixtures all over the place, and like a two hundred dollar little sound set up in the corner and it's like if you yeah. want to facilitate live music here get a little bit of money and just buy something nice so it could be a good representation for everybody that's there
1: i think this boils down to almost the cause of almost every problem that we ever have which is communication fair enough ask one of those musicians that you hired to help you figure out a better sound system
0: uh-huh I think a lot of the time, too, uh, you're dealing with, I understand that the restaurant industry and much like the music industry or entertainment in general, you know, you're dealing with a very fine line when it comes to your budgeting. and
1: Shoestring. Yes. (laughs) So,
0: you know, you're always trying to cut costs and figure things out to make it work. And that's something that irks me a lot, actually, when it comes to places. Whenever I find a place that I like, I will frequent it. And there's definitely places that I've frequented that have opened up and I understand that once it opens you got to start fine tuning things maybe you change some things on the menu you change your prices but over there's been a few places that I'm not going to name because I'm kind but they have just eventually changed so much that I feel like it's become a completely different place hmm, okay as a result of what I can see is nothing more than just like trying to uh make it for like budget cuts, trying to
1: stay open, just trying to stay yeah. open, which
0: I totally get, but it it becomes a bit of a bummer for me.
1: Yeah, it's it's sad as a guest when something that you really like changes. I guess on that, end, I have a lot of sympathy for the people who are trying to stay open because if you make it past a year, you're doing good. If you make it past three years, whew, yeah, gold star. After five, you're like maybe maybe I'm gonna be okay. Maybe I'll be able to stay in this business. It's just so hard.
0: I think it's really hard now too. If we're just talking with Pittsburgh, because places just keep opening. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one thing that I can think about a lot was just with breweries. There's like what four dozen, five dozen breweries within forty miles of here right now. Probably a even huge more beer town. It's crazy. They all
1: seem to be doing okay. They they are. There's a market. I'm very
0: surprised. Uh, I I wonder how long it's going to last. But I hope. I don't wish anybody any ill will. Mm -hmm. Except maybe like one place that I think is rude. But
1: (laughs) I think it's going to last. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about the bubble, like the restaurant bubble. When's it going to pop? And I mean, our population has started to climb a little bit. More industry is coming here. People with money are coming here, which presents its own pros and cons for people who have been living here for a long time. Um, I don't think we're going to see a significant bust. That's that's what I think. I
0: think as long as everybody finds a way to keep telling their own story with their Mm -hmm. place and have their own unique voice and give people a reason to go there, a place like Apteca. Yeah. Like there's, there's not any, I've eaten all over, like all over this rock that we're on. And that's a very unique place mm-hmm. in terms of even in Pittsburgh and just the rest of the galaxy. It's a very unique place.
1: So that's my biggest concern with the, the bubble argument is that um, the thing that I, care about the most is like this idea of, of soul, right. And hospitality and putting some of yourself into what you're doing. And, uh, I really want people like Kate and Tomaz or, um, Jen who is ready, who just opened farmer and Baker in Aspen wall to still be able to open these little places. Yeah. Even though they don't have these big investors, you know, or they didn't have them. Um, I still want people who have, like a little restaurant dream to be able to make that happen because that's what makes Pittsburgh continue to be a unique food market. Um, so I just hope that costs stay down enough that yeah. people will still be able to do those things because that's those are the places that I I love for that reason.
0: Same. With your personal diet in life, you mentioned that you were a line cook at a vegan place. mm mm-hmm. Do you have a vegan diet or... No. No.
1: (laughs) No, that would be nearly impossible. It would...
0: Yeah. That was going to be my next question was going to be like, how has working in the industry changed your concept of food and your palate personally?
1: So I was a vegetarian for 12 years. um, And when I started working in food, that is when I started branching out a little bit more. Um, I've been lucky to work almost exclusively at restaurants that really care about where they're sourcing from and what they're using, especially with, like, meat. Yeah. Um. So my transition to meat-eating has been kind of easy in that, like, I try 95% of the time to eat meat that is – I know where it's come from, that's locally, you know, raised – um, that isn't full of like hormones or yeah. antibiotics um, and support the people that are trying to stick to using those methods. Um, and so I get to be a snob about it a little bit <laughs> because because I'm usually working at those places, right? So yeah. the, the price point isn't so scary for me because usually I'll get like some sort of employee discount. Um, for people who are just eating out in the world who don't have these connections, who might not know about, you know, ethically raised animals, Um, the price points can look really shocking if you're going to the grocery store and trying to buy organic meat or trying to buy locally raised meat. Um, And in order to be able to eat like that, you would be required to eat less of those products in order to, for the same price. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow if you like have a family or you're, sure. you know, you're working for 15 bucks an hour or less than that in minimum wage. Um, and so I guess the answer to that question is that I'm lucky in that my transition to eating more broadly has kind of been cushioned by having all this direct contact with the people who are raising my food and also like having the benefit of having it cost me a little bit less. Yeah um but it's also made me think a lot about how we can make that more available for people who don't have that kind of privilege or that kind of access
0: yeah i think in general most people eat too much to begin with i think we all as a as a population as, i think mm-hmm. we eat way too much fucking food that we don't need to eat i've been trying to like scale back even just 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 like the amount of food like it's it's really really silly just like dumb shit mm-hmm. like Oreos, like snacks, potato chips, snacks, like all that unnecessary stuff. It's so hard. I like really, really battle with restraint just because my brain's like, they're in the cupboard. Just have a couple. It's not a big deal.
1: I mean, I think that that's really hardwired, right? I guess so. Um, It's easy. It's like an easy treat. It's, I think so many people have that same problem. I, I have that problem.
0: But like the next day, I'm like kicking myself. Like I ate, like five Oreos before I went to bed and I had a hard time waking up and I know goddamn well it's because I ate those fucking Oreos before I went to sleep. Because yeah. if I don't eat before I go to bed, I usually wake up and like it's easier for me to get up. I'm a little hungry, mm-hmm. you know.
1: should bring my mom on this podcast. She's a dietitian. Oh. Was a dietitian my whole life. So I feel like, I feel like I'm just sitting in for my mom right now. Okay. <laughs> on this particular <laughs> side of the conversation.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I'm so like... My brain's been over like the past year thinking a lot more about like what I eat, why I'm eating it, how much I'm eating. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm on a, a better path than where I I had been previously, but I still struggle with just like little dumb shit like that.
1: Totally. Treats. Yeah. They're delicious. It's hard to stay What's away. your favorite
0: treat? Ice cream. Ice cream. Yeah. Any particular flavor or just the concept of ice cream in just, general? <laughs>
1: like the concept of ice cream in general. I mean, I like my favorite ice cream in town is definitely Millie's. Um, Millie's is awesome. It's great. They have lots of uh, interesting flavors, mm-hmm. you know, always trying something different. But yeah, like ice cream on a cone.
0: I was going to ask. Oh, cone, bowl, cone. waffle cone, sugar cone?
1: Cone all the way.
0: Sugar cone. No. OG, waffle cone. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Mm-hmm. You got to have the crunch. Yeah. So good.
0: How how are you with milkshakes?
1: I love them. They always hurt me though. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I drink yeah. them too fast and then I it's like I'm full of regret because it hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely ice cream is. I always the
0: best have to treat. eat the smallest amount of ice cream unless it's a non-dairy ice cream. Oh, okay. Just because it just I'm I don't think I'm lactose intolerant or anything. It's just I don't eat a whole lot of dairy to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, So ice cream can be a lot for me since I'm already kind of avoiding it most of the time.
1: Give me all the dairy. Cheese. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong.
0: I love cheese. I love pizza. Mm -hmm. All those things. But uh, I try to limit my interactions with it. It's another one of those things from my past year. Just cheese. Don't need so much of it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Butter, Alcohol. don't need so much of it. Don't drink so much of
0: yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcohol's the other one.
1: Yeah. Wine. Ugh. <laughs> I love it. And it's so easy to justify because, you know, I'm studying it now, so I should probably have some of it. Yeah. How um, else are you gonna learn? Right. Slippery slope.
0: Yeah. Ooh. That was that was the thing with uh with the whole beer thing was uh I started helping run a a beer festival Mm. so we started having like meetings all the time and every meeting is like well we got to try some beer right and then like we're meeting with local breweries and we're going to places and like they know who i am so it's like here's a beer here's a beer take this six-pack home And it's like jesus christ i have like a fucking fridge full of beer that all my brewer friends gave me and it's like well it gets to a point where it's like i'm thirsty instead of having a water it's like well have a beer have
1: a beer have a a beer
0: Forty-two pounds later, like, <laughs> what the? Why do none of my clothes fit anymore? What happened? Oh, yeah, it's probably all the beer and the butter and the cheese. That's the fridge full of beer.
1: Sounds like a terrible. This
0: problem. is a hot yeah. button topic, since we're talking about cheese. Uh-huh. And I was thinking of pizza. Uh huh. What is your Pittsburgh pizza go to? Oh
1: my god, Pete Tolman at Ironborn.
0: Okay, Ironborn's pretty good stuff.
1: It's so good. It's like yeah. eating a whole loaf of bread, <laughs> which I'm very into. Um, uh-huh. But if, I mean, that's, okay. Yeah, they, they're right down the street from where I work. So that's, it's great pizza. I love it. If I can't handle the whole loaf of bread pizza, which sometimes I can't, Pizza Badamo in the north side.
0: Badamo is my favorite. That's my number one.
1: Very good. Yeah. Those would probably be my two. And All right. I, and I like Dinette pizza too. I've never heard that. You've never been to Dinette? Uh-uh. Oh, man. You got to go.
0: What is Dinette? Is that in East Liberty?
1: Sonia Finn owns it. Okay. Um, She's been running it for like, she's executive chef and owner. Yeah. It's been open for, I think they just had their ten year anniversary. Yeah.
0: That's career. been open for a while, right? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that in East Liberty or am I crazy?
1: No, it's in East Liberty. Yeah. Okay. And uh, she has a great little wine program as well. So it's like thin crust, super fresh vegetables, pizza. Huh. With a glass of wine, can't beat it.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds cute. It's great. Okay, so I, I will. I'm going to tell you a pet peeve I have, and this is like really unjustified, but restaurants that have cute little one word names like that, like, like dinette? dinette, it just bugs me.
1: Okay, so what do you prefer then?
0: I don't know. Just places that have names like that bug me. It makes no sense. That's trust fair. me.
1: See, I prefer that to something more elaborate. Honestly. Although the be- it's now closed, but there was a bar in Philly that had the best bar name ever, in my opinion, and it was called Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> you can't do better than that.
0: Yeah. That's a good name.
1: It's a great name. It's a shame it's closed. I know. I never got to go. Oh. I only heard about it, and I was, so- I was in Philly a couple of months ago, and I was so excited to go, and they're like, oh, it's been closed for a while.
0: Damn. Damn. Such a good name. Yeah. Killer name. Now I'm thinking about like one word, like restaurants that I like. And just, yeah, just like, yeah, like the one, yeah, just uh, just bugs me. Bugs you. Too
1: cute? Too twee?
0: I think it's just too like, it's too, yeah, I guess it's too cute. I don't know. Fair. It's completely unjustified though.
1: (laughs) What's your favorite place?
0: My favorite place, favorite restaurant. You
1: can't ask me that question, but I can ask you
0: that question. Okay, why can't I ask you that question? So I
1: can't answer it.
0: <laughs> um, that's really hard because there's so many different kinds of food. So it's really hard. Give me
1: like one of your top three. I'll make it easier for you.
0: Um, Okay, so I really like the commoner. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really nice date type of place. Um, when it comes to like maybe more, I really like the pear and the pickle that's up there. Yeah.
1: Definite shout outs to pear and pickle. Um,
0: yeah. So I'm there every day of my life except for Mondays because they're closed. Mm. So, but that's more of like a breakfast spot. I really like, uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for pretty much every Mad Max. I just like Mad Mex, that's like a good like. I'm, uh, want to you know fill up my stomach with some garbage and have a couple beers. That's the spot, or uh, Permanis.
1: Oh wow, okay. But tell me,
0: only it has to be the Strip District Permanis, or I'm probably not going to go. Okay, uh, I will make an exception for Oakland or Southside, and uh, the the new one on Penn is fine. But for the most part, it needs to be strip district.
1: Are you from Pittsburgh? I am. Okay. Yeah. What was your first Permannes experience?
0: My first Permannes experience? It was probably the one in North for Sales, actually.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. How old were
0: you? Uh, teenager. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, high school.
1: So is there part of it that's like a deep nostalgia?
0: For Permannes? hmm No. No? No. I just think that it's like... I like the strip district one because it's just like unapologetically Pittsburgh. Yes. And you know, it's every, the
1: original location. It, it's the
0: OG. Everybody and like it's you know, it's like it's it's a little it's a little you know, it's a little like it just has history. Mm-hmm. You go in there, you feel like everybody on the planet has been in that building at one point in time, which is really cool. Everybody that works there is always super fucking nice. The food's really good. It's cheap. It's close to home now. I mean, I didn't always live in Troy Hill, but it's close to home now. It's just like it really hits the mark for like I just finished playing a show. I'm really hungry. I want to stop somewhere on the way home. Like I could go there, get a sandwich and a beer for like 10 bucks, and go home. It's perfect.
1: There's something really resonant about a restaurant that feels like people have been there. which is one of the things Pittsburgh really has going for it in the food scene because we have all of these really beautiful old lived-in buildings. So there's not a ton of new construction. So it's almost something that gets brought into a lot of places that, like, you go in, you're like, oh, people have been here for a long time. It might not have been in this restaurant, but there's this, like, there's a feeling to it. Yeah, that makes you feel like it makes me feel like i want to be there. Uh-huh. Some people love new construction. I am not one of those people. Um but i like the weight of that. It almost feels like throwing a blanket over your shoulder. So. Yeah.
0: Like sometimes i go to places like a a place like Superior Motors and i'm like jesus christ this place is gorgeous. Oh,
1: it's so pretty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like wow, they did a really good job. But like i'll go to a place that may have a a similar aesthetic and it's like this just feels like the fuck am I eating food in an Ikea catalog right now? Like, I just don't feel like there's any, like, soul in it sometimes when it comes to places that... uh, They're
1: super new. Yeah.
0: It -hmm. just feels weird. Like, when it's, like, so new that, like, you could smell how new it is in there.
1: It's like a new car. There's a time and place for it, totally. But if we're talking about preference, I prefer a lived-in feel. Mm -hmm. Although, what I will say is that one of the... You know how you have, like, memories... That are sort of snapshots in your mind of just – it might have been like a three-second memory, but it's stuck in there. Yeah. I went to Superior Motors a couple of years ago, and it was snowing. And, like, it was really coming down. Yeah. And it was dark because it was, like, midwinter. And that window that they have in front that overlooks the uh, Braddock, like, the works, all the snow was coming down. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in Norway.
2: (laughs) <laughs> or something, you
1: know, like it just felt really, yeah. it's so clean. It's very like, the design is very Nordic in mm-hmm. some ways, like that clean, not Ikea, because that brings a negative connotation, but.
0: Ikea's fine. It was very,
1: <laughs> yeah, it felt very, uh, I felt like I was in a, um, a girl with a dragon tattoo novel. Okay. Like about, I can't remember the author's name, but like about sure. to have some sort of like secret drinks over a table. It was great. Yeah. Like I'll always remember that as a positive, like cool memory.
0: Yeah. There's, I'm sure I can. Larson. There we go. There you go. Mm-hmm. So outside of food and maybe a book or two, mm-hmm. what interests you outside of the realm of food? You have any passions? I actually love
1: music. I'm not a musician. Um, my dad's a musician. So I grew up being like seeing his shows. Um I love seeing music out. Con uh, Alma, just to like bring back in the restaurants real quick. Yeah. They are a new restaurant in Shadyside. I don't know if you've heard of them. Mm-mm. They opened like a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. They're a new jazz bar. Cool. Um, sounds a little weird in Shadyside. It's amazing. If you like jazz, I'd highly suggest going there. It's it's like a New York style club where you're right up with the band you know they're like two tops and you could basically like reach out and touch someone which is how i love to see jazz and i was so sad when all of the clubs died in pittsburgh Uh, and now it it feels like there's a place for that again which i'm really excited that's awesome um i'm also a big hiker backpacker of being outside um and love traveling to do that going to national parks and stuff so i'll try like Any kind of physical feat once. Okay. Like I went to Mexico with my family in the spring and decided I was going to learn how to surf. So for a week,
0: I got up every
1: day at 7 a.m. on vacation and went surfing and then went surfing again at night.
0: Riding waves.
1: It was great. I mean, I was terrible. I got like (laughs) super trounced. The first three days, (laughs) I like haven't been that sore since I learned how to snowboard. I don't know if you ever snowboarded before, but the first week is also hell.
0: Um, I always wanted to snowboard. I was very much an extreme sports kid, believe it yeah. or not. But I love skateboards. I love blades. stuff
1: like that. You yeah. know, I I love the like the concentration and sort of the weird childlike joy that comes along with <laughs> trying to learn things. Sure. Um. So yeah, I'll, I'll try that. I I tried riding one of the Scoobies.
0: Oh yeah. How was that? Uh,
1: it was didn't go so well. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> it's okay. But like I, I just <laughs> – I don't have a lot of ego attached to that kind of stuff. I just like the fun of it. So Fair enough. I'll try it once.
0: With – I understand that working in the service industry can be a pretty time-consuming yeah. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you – find the time to be able to go enjoy things like go into the jazz bar and go to hike and things like that frequently? Or do you have to pretty much like schedule every aspect of your I'm, uh, fun life?
1: I live a very scheduled life. Um, yeah. I think like so many people who have multiple hustles, like artists and um, anyone who works in any sort of creative industry. I feel like you look at their Google calendar and it's just like random meeting after oh, yeah. random meeting.
0: <laughs> showers just, written in there.
1: Yeah, like everything is blocked <laughs> out and uh-huh. your friends are like, hey, you want to hang out? And you're like, uh, you should ask me two weeks ago Yeah, because uh, this evening is planned.
0: Yeah, and it gets to a point where I've found that I feel like people have just stopped asking me to do things. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, I nobody definitely wants to hang feel... out with me, and it's like no, they just everybody's tired I'm of asking and hanging out.
1: I think when you work nights, and again, sort of going back to the creative fields, like when you work nights, you lose so much of the free time that everybody else has. So, like my free time is from nine a.m. to one. Sure. Every day. And I'm often working or writing or doing something. Um, but the times that I have to be at work are most of the times that other people are recreating. Um, it sounded really weird coming out of my mouth. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And it does – it can be a little lonely sometimes. Uh-huh. So I try to, like – I try to avoid that by – planning things and also if I didn't have a calendar like my life would just oh yeah
0: handle yeah if I don't put something in my google calendar I will most likely forget about it yeah and it's definitely happened before
1: I'm a really boring adult now things like my google calendar and like excited about buying like a vacuum cleaner like this is what it's become yeah I know this it sounds cool to like study wine but it's It's just like every other
0: thing
1: where I'm like, "Ooh, gotta watch my shows." Like,
0: Uh yeah, I think that it's so fun to just know that there's still things to learn about. Mm -hmm. You know, there's it's never ending. As long as you have a passion for something, you can.
1: There's so much to know.
0: Yeah, you could just dig into anything. And
1: that's the thing I like best about writing is that it gives me this really easy way to be like. Hey, tell me about the thing that you're really excited about. And people will just let me do it because it's my job, you know? Sure. So I just, I get to have access to all of these things and all of these, I get to ask people a million questions and it's so fun. It's the most fun aspect of it. It's just really getting to dig into things because I'm interested in them.
0: That's how I feel about this podcast. There's really no reason for it to exist other than my selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. And just wanting to talk to people. This is almost like a low-key, top-secret me scheduling, hanging out with people.
2: (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, it has like this greater purpose, supposedly. But it's like, no, not really. I'm just meeting new people. Really just
1: want to (laughs) hang. Yeah, I really
0: just want to hang out with people. I I found that I was just not good at socializing before I started the podcast.
1: Hmm. It gives you a lot of practice. It gave, it gave me
0: a reason to do it. You had mentioned that you had a podcast for a while.
1: I did, and when I was working at City Paper, I had a podcast called Soundbite, where I basically scheduled time to hang out with people who <laughs> at work. So I would go and like visit a trout farmer an oh, hour outside cool. of the city and follow him around on his day and ask him a million questions about trout farming, and it was so fun. It's one of the most entertaining and educational things I've ever done. And I'm really, it like, it didn't go anywhere, but I'm very proud of it. Like I'm going to save the recordings forever just because I love doing it so much. And it made me feel like it was one of those things where you were like, Oh, I'm really doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the right thing right now.
0: I think it's important to do things for yourself, regardless of whether it goes somewhere Mm -hmm. or it doesn't. At the end of the day, Really, the way that you're spending your time shouldn't really matter to much of anyone other than yourself and the immediate people around you. So if you're spending it in like a healthy and productive way and you're learning stuff and you're having fun.
1: All the better. Who, who cares? And you can call
0: it work. Yeah, it's cool if other you put it out into the internet and if other people want to engage with it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Please come be a part of this. But it's never been a reason why I've ever done anything, I feel. Hmm. It's never been for like trying to because I just do the stuff that I want to do. And if I don't feel like doing something, I just don't do it. I feel like that's a a luxury that a lot of people don't have. So I try not to Mm. take it very lightly. Yeah, it's
1: definitely a luxury for sure.
0: But I think that a lot of people, it's not that hard. It's just a matter of, I think, perception. Maybe that goes back into like, the conversation that we had dealing with people's passions and why they do things and what are they passionate about? Can they find a way to uh, monetize that passion into their daily life and maybe make a career out of it or something like that?
1: Sometimes when you monetize it though, it ruins it. Yeah.
0: Monetize is a terrible word. It's, it's like, a, recreate. It's, a, it's a business word. <laughs> it comes out of my mouth a lot because I'm always just with all the stupid shit that I do in my like, full-time gig is like I work for a record label. So I'm always doing like business stuff and thinking about marketing and like my brain's just always like that. So it unfortunately bleeds into like a casual conversation (laughs) so much, which is a nightmare. But uh, what am I going to do? It's in my blood now, I guess. There it is. Business blood.
1: Popping out.
0: Uh Uh-huh. With you and the next, I don't know, like year What's the big plan outside of the sommelier thing?
1: The big plan. Or you just... I don't know if I have a big plan. I would, I very much want to continue writing. Um, I'd like to freelance for some more publications. Um, I have a contract with three Magazine, So that's, it's been like my go-to and I love writing for them. How does
0: that actually work? Just the getting into freelance writing in general? Um, I mean, it's, much
1: like any other kind of business, like you, you pitch a lot and get lucky or, you know, someone who knows your work and they say, Hey, we have like, here's some work. Do you want to do it? And you say, yeah, let's give it a try. And then if they like it, then you keep doing work for them. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I mean, freelancing is a weird, it's a weird world in which more and more of us are living. Uh, I feel like so many people are contractors. In, especially in the creative fields, but now even more like in other fields. People are doing a lot of contracting or consulting or what have you. Um, so the plan is to do more freelancing um, and to continue learning about wine and just kind of seeing where that leads me. I don't, I'm don't. i not a five-year plan kind of person. Maybe I should be.
0: Yeah, I'm not either.
1: My 31st birthday is coming up, so I'm like, mm, maybe I should. Happy birthday. Thank you. Take like a... I try to like use my birthday as a reevaluative yeah. time. Um, so maybe I'll have a better answer for you in like a month.
0: Yeah, yeah. My birthday's uh October 23rd. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, I'll yeah. be 34.
1: Congrats! Hooray!
0: Hooray! Still doing it,
1: still here, I'm still here. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah, I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not much of a five year plan person either. I never have been. I, I'm just like, a. am I? doing what I want to do, art, music, supporting myself, taking care of the people around me, making time for everything. Yeah, okay, cool. Good, We're good. Got it. It's like it's it's weird. A few years ago, it got to a point where I don't – It when I say it out loud, it feels like I'm admitting that I plateaued and I'm comfortable in that, but I don't think that's necessarily it. It's just like how far am I supposed to keep going? You know, it's like, okay, I, I have a, a job career that is in the field that I care most about, you know, I have like family and friends and a house and all these good things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do I keep? When do I, you know, just pump the brakes and take the time to enjoy what I actually have for a bit versus like always trying to like get the next thing going, 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 going. I think that's
1: that's an art. Like that's a thing that you have to,
0: Force. Yeah. Maybe. I I definitely want more for myself. But Mm -hmm. it's also like I'm perfectly fine where everything is and just trying to relax, which isn't a word that comes out of my mouth a lot. (laughs) Unless it's, you know, I will not relax, then sure.
1: Right. Then it's there. But
0: me like saying that I want to relax, like something that's been happening recently is I'm actually doing something that I used to never do which is getting everything on my Google calendar, all my to-do stuff done Mm. every day pretty much because I'm putting less on it. And when I put things on it, I'm like putting them in spots that are a lot more realistic. I used to very much be the person where every day it'd be like 75 things. Right. But three-fourths of those are just getting moved every day because there's – There's no way. It can't can't happen.
1: Yeah, I think there's so much to be said for – being more realistic with your time and like having boundaries mm-hmm. with yourself and with yeah. other people, but also like a lot with yourself.
0: I've been bringing this up a lot on the podcast. So I apologize for people that have heard me say this a dozen times already. But so it took me a long time to get good at saying no to other people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I'm still trying to learn how to say no to myself.
1: Yes. Hard.
0: And it's very hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's. uh feel like it comes with age when you just can't anymore so that's when you start saying no <laughs> maybe some people are healthier than i am but that's always been the struggle cuz i i get excited about things and i want to put time into it and then i realize that it's not maybe realistic so
0: yeah is there anything that you've wanted to do that you haven't done yet that you would like to do in the next 5 years not to say not to put you on a 5 year thing yeah. It could be I, anything.
1: I would love to do some travel writing. Tra- okay. I'd love to do some travel writing.
0: Any places in particular? Or uh, do you just want to discover something you don't even know exists?
1: No, I'm, I'm really open. I, uh, it's just a medium I haven't really tried yet. And I think it's pretty related to all of the things that I'm already familiar with writing about. Yeah. Um, and I love to travel. And I'd love to be paid to travel. Or at least <laughs> yeah. part of my expenses be covered. Sure. Um, and it doesn't seem, that doesn't seem like an unrealistic goal. Right? Um, so I'd love to do some travel writing.
0: I hope you get to. Thanks. That'd yeah. That'd be killer. I think I will. Yeah. I just
1: have to pitch the right people. Uh-huh. Make some time for it. It's all <laughs> yeah. about,
0: it's all communication, right? Mm-hmm. Just yep. reaching out to people. Asking questions. You'd be surprised we can get away with if you just ask. Yeah.
1: The other thing I'd like to do is uh, work a grape harvest.
0: More, it. more um, wine shit. More wine shit. Yeah, <laughs> yep. really, on,
1: really on that right now. Okay. Um, I was kind of trying to set myself up to do that this fall, and it just wasn't going to be realistic with taking the time. But I'm feeling like next year. Next year. Google Calendar, be, get it in be there. The year, yeah.
0: Yeah, get it in there. I am in the middle of a. When this when this when this episode airs, mm-hmm. I am in the middle of my seven day disney world vacation Oh, okay <laughs> yeah
2: all right just uh, you
0: no, 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 me and my girlfriend are going down there for a week nice, and uh I've never been, but uh yeah, i am starting either. my my old man goal is I want to uh try to ride every operating roller coaster in the United States
1: what a great bucket list goal yeah
0: so slowly every year i'm trying to go to new theme parks every
1: operating roller coaster
0: yeah it's a lot of roller coasters
1: what are your what's your definition of roller coaster because that could really
0: change things Uh, if it looks like a roller coaster
1: okay all right so does it have to have like cars and like hills and stuff
0: I suppose. Why? What are you thinking? What kind of contraptions are you well, or of?
1: there are just so many <laughs> kinds of rides. And which one's a roller coaster and which one isn't?
0: I think a roller coaster is pretty specifically. Like there's some form of a car and a okay. track. Okay. And a car being guided on the track All would right. be a roller coaster.
1: So vertical too? Like there are the ones that will take you up and drop you. Is that a roller coaster?
0: Oh, you're thinking like a... Like a like a like a tower drop. Yeah, I don't know if that counts as a roller coaster because that's more like cable cars. They're they're operated on cables See, that drop you. Right, you
1: do have like a metric in there. I guess for so. What it is,
0: but it also doesn't really look like a roller coaster.
1: It doesn't, but it is a car on a track.
0: I guess so. Fair enough.
1: Things to think about. I mean,
0: typically, if I go to a theme park, I try to ride most of the bullshit that's in the theme park anyways. Okay. So yeah. Just kind of, you know, traditional roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Like if I asked you to draw a roller coaster right now, would you draw a cake? No, cap- that? no, I, or would, or would, you I dr- would
1: draw like a, a then that, wood roller coaster.
0: Then that's what I'm talking about. Okay, all right. Yeah. but It's so going to yeah. be
1: a time-consuming goal to attain. Yeah. You're going to be waiting in a lot of lines. I think that
0: just uh, I want to get to a point, like when I retire, there's the, uh, the American Coaster enthusiasts Group. And they take those cute little buses.
1: Oh, my God. I didn't even know that was a thing. And they have little T-shirts that they wear,
0: and they all match. That sounds. And they're so all nice. friends. Oh. <laughs> I'm also going to be really into model trains. I've already decided this. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. I, I've, like, really – I've already laid out – it's not It's not quite on my, like, 2045 Google calendar yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't but.
1: start trains. model
0: train collecting yet but who knows
1: i had a i don't know if i'm still there but i had an ambition when i was younger to be a red hat lady oh do you know the red hat society no so it's a charitable women's society of yore i'm i'm not sure like when it started it might it seems like a 50s thing okay but all of these i found out about it because of restaurants because all of these like perfectly appointed Ladies would come in in a big group and they'd all be wearing these red hats. I love and it. then they would just destroy everything. <laughs> I mean, they would just have like the best time ever, you know, and they'd be carousing and cackling in their red hats and their pink hats, which are anyone under 50. So it's supposed to be like a 50 and over thing. Okay. And they do charitable works, but they also like really seem to know how to have a good time. So I, yeah, I still want to be a red hat lady. Unless their organization did something horrible that I'm aware of. Like, unless they're homophobic or like yeah. racist or sexist, then I don't want any part of it. But from what I saw, sure. I would like to be a red hat lady. Fair
0: enough. I hope you get to do that. <laughs> Maybe there'll be like a in uh, 25 years, there'll be a, a red hat American coaster enthusiasts sort of get together. Yeah. I don't know why those worlds would collide.
1: I can see the red hat ladies, like, wanting to ride some roller coasters. Yeah. For sure. We'll make it happen. Hell yeah. If we ever get We have there, to. We have we'll, to. <laughs> we'll make it happen.
0: Yeah. So, I believe I'm going to wrap things up here. We've yep. we've hit our hour. We've okay. talked about pretty much everything I could think of immediately to talk about. I could probably chat with you for a lot longer about random bullshit. Yeah, we've really bounced around. Yeah, it's been all over the place. There's just There's so many different things that you do. And my interests are always like, uh, it's like a, a pinball mm-hmm. on a table. Just I know
1: a little about a lot of things. That's, that's where I'm at on the interest thing.
0: Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Pi, if, it, if it's a pie chart, it's just like really split up.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, the smallest slivers.
1: You can talk to anyone. Yeah. For, you know, a little while about what they're <laughs> interested in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that is all folks. Thanks so much for listening, Celine Roberts. Check out her stuff in the Pittsburgh Magazine. Go see her at Bar Marco. Or maybe find her falling off a surfboard somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i'll be back again next time with another episode another guest same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is sykes start the beat 2019 Whoop. Woo. thanks for listening it's so i don't think i've ever drank a soda on the show this is what episode 252 maybe I've never had a soda on the fucking show. I'm actually, I always say there's beer and soda in the fridge. I think this is the first time I've actually had a soda on the show. So shout outs to Sprite. (laughs) Shout outs to all my, me literally having nothing else in the fridge to drink right now. So uh, (laughs) that's it. And we are done. 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 Thank you. I love your radio DJ voice. Thanks.